0: Welcome to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, where our gang of sci-fi fans will boldly go where few fans have gone before. Okay, not really, but we'll have fun discussing and interacting with our favorite shows and films from all over the sci-fi universe. We love Trek the most, but our love for Trek means we have a great appreciation for sci-fi in general. Join our panel of sci-fi fans from all over North America and beyond as we share our opinions and thoughts on this deep and incredibly diverse genre of storytelling. Our mission here at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast is to entertain and have fun, so you'll hear all types of views in a light and fun atmosphere. If you love sci-fi, this is the perfect space station for you to dock at. We invite you to come aboard and stay a while. You've got friends right here on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast.
1: Greetings and hello. Welcome to another episode of the Big Sci Fi Podcast, the show where we get into conversations about all things sci fi. Today, I want to have a discussion about diversity and inclusion in both Star Trek and Star Wars and explore which franchise does it better. Joining me today are my usual fantastic co hosts, Adina Mignona.
2: Hi, I'm Adina Mignona, science fiction writer engineer and lover of all things sci-fi
1: and brian donahue
0: hey he just said my name and i am a pastor musician and i too love sci-fi i also love being together with these wonderful people to do this podcast a lot of fun looking forward to it
1: and steve merkin
3: and uh, since my name has been said I will say that I am a retired person, a retired uh, sales representative, and operator of a jewelry industry business, and now have joined doing uh, volunteer work at Children's Hospital Los Angeles.
1: That is super cool, very cool. And my name is Christian Fox, and I do a podcast about Star Trek, and I also resolve uh, neighborhood disputes during the day. So today is going to be. A somewhat heavy subject, I think. I'm anticipating just because we are talking about diversity and inclusion, which is naturally going to be a little bit heavy. So before we get into all of that, I thought it would be good to, to you to do our usual catch up. How is everyone doing? And is there anything you want to share that is interesting or exciting?
2: Absolutely. Can I share my news? Yes. I really, yes. Like go she ahead. Do was Telling do you it. about before the show, and. This is super exciting, but also I found out like five minutes before I was going to go to bed last night. So I did not sleep well because I tossed and turned just from the excitement. Uh, I live in Maryland, uh, not too far from Baltimore. And every year for the last 50 something years is Balticon at the end of May. And I'm going to be a participant this year. And I, I got Yay. the email invite, like I said, right before I was going to bed last night. Uh, and I, was, I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing yet i know i'll be participating for several hours and as we're closer to it i'm sure I'll, I'll tell people what i will be doing and if anyone is local come to balticon balticon 56
0: yeah you know you know what might be cool about that adina is is uh i wonder if anything will be like filmed or live streamed and if so that's links we can put on our podcast notes oh absolutely and catch that. that would be sweet
2: yeah yep so that's my exciting news that uh, i've over the moon excited <laughs>
0: so <laughs> i want to
1: say that? that's maybe the second coolest thing that you've ever said i still think <laughs> the coolest thing you've ever said is i'm a published author which come on you're a published <laughs> author
0: <laughs> i mean physicists national you know en- engineer you know um doing satellite stuff i mean
2: t- then getting to talk about it on stage cool. I, yeah. I am really so cool. excited
1: yeah yeah no, that's amazing that's very cool Anyone want to try to top that?
2: <laughs> Sorry. <He built> a <laughs> a chair
3: today. That's what I did. Well, uh, well, let's see. Oh, okay. Well, first off, uh, Adina's book arrived and I started to read it. So I'm into chapter, I think three now, but I didn't do what I normally do, which is read the last page of a book because I want to know how it ends, even though before I even started reading it, but I didn't do that because I'm going to give it the linear treatment from start mm-hmm. to finish all the awesome. way through.
1: Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. My, my copy just arrived, but the idea of starting at the last page first, just, it stresses me out. It's like, um, <laughs> unless it's a show that does the whole, Oh, here's this thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's go 24 hours back or in the past.
3: But mm-hmm. I don't know. That stresses me out, Steven. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's something, something, something. And then the other thing is, um, I've been, as I mentioned, you know, volunteering at children's hospital and last, last Friday. And then, well, Really, this this tomorrow, this coming Friday, uh, I will then be in the reading room with kids and distributing books and spending time with them, and mm. it's something I'm looking so forward to because you know these poor kids they're they're tied up in the hospital for days, weeks, or months, and the hospital policy is if a child walks into the reading room, they get a book and they keep a book, and I just like you know to me reading with children well, i did it with my own children is so fundamental in their development mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. do something like that and to help maybe alleviate and try to be a little silly and have some fun with them because they're they're going through a lot and so mm-hmm. i'm 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 really looking forward to this next evolution in my my time as a volunteer children's hospital
2: nice
0: i, I love that and and i know i enjoy reading with my kids my wife and i have From as early on as we can, when they were born, we start reading to them whether Mm -hmm. they can understand us or not, and just get in the habit and the routine, and Mm -hmm. they both love books. My daughter is reading um, uh, James Patterson books, uh, Treasure Hunters, that are that thick now, Mm -hmm. and my wife loves them too, so they read them (laughs) together, um, and she's reading all... There's days that we'll walk into a room and she's just on her bed reading. And mm-hmm. it is a wonderful thing, um, yeah. uh, and it's it's a it's a type of escapism too, and letting their imaginations grow and develop, and mm-hmm. it's it's the be- it's one of the best things. Well, I'm mm-hmm. I'm excited because I I'm not a published author uh, like our friend Adina Not yet, not <laughs> yet, but I I have um, just uh, now a couple weeks ago I guess finished. Um, some updates and edits to a book that my editor um that is helping me with this uh returned back to me after after diving into my story and really being honest and raw about everything and so i made updates sent it back to her um and so i'm looking forward to what the next stage of uh is for me in this story is as it's a story that started for me uh over 20 years ago actually and it's evolved from what i thought would be a stage play musical to i decided i was just going to write write it in story form and and see what happens so i'm finally this past year started digging into it and I'm so excited to see what happens. So stay tuned, That's folks. Great. Stay tuned. That's folks. really cool. Now, right. is there still
1: the musical uh, possibility
0: down the uh, You know, I don't think so. Ooh. I've every, <laughs> every now and then I've thought about it, and I love musicals. Yeah, I, by too. the way, Ooh. the new West Side Story, absolutely, Ooh, gorgeous. Yeah. If you yeah. haven't seen it, I'm a huge West Side Story fan of the original film. Uh, by the way, who directed that, Steve?
3: Let's see. Oh yeah, this guy named Robert Weiss. Robert
0: Weiss, the director yeah,
3: of Star yeah. Trek: they, The Motion what Picture. What movies did he do? Oh yeah, yeah. They they do, yes. T- t- the t- musical Star Trek: The Motion picture. <laughs> yeah. the
1: picture, which was so happy and fun, just like West Side Story.
0: But anyways, no, I've 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 thought about doing a musical before, and I, I had the music all written and and stuff, and just needed the story, and just decided, you know what, now. Nah. No, I'm not gonna do that. And so the story has evolved and uh I'm I'm just looking forward to sharing it and see what happens. Yeah, me too. Have that's fun exciting. with it.
1: That's very cool. Yeah. And yeah, I don't really have any updates. As I said, I put together a chair today at work and that was uh Hey, to do.
0: that's a good any day you put together you know, chairs, a good day, Which my I'm book. enjoying,
1: yeah. That kind of stuff is fun. <laughs> but beyond that, actually I saw Bacard season two, which uh would you listen to this? This would probably be a couple of weeks ago that this is already aired, but I'm very yep. happy with it. Haven't mm-hmm. seen it Felt yet. Good. Dying, dying, and, dying. Uh, yep. No spoilers.
3: Yep. Thank you.
1: Yeah. No. I I you uh, really get sensitive to when people like just post spoilers, and it's like, no, we, we need to learn. We know <laughs> that we can't post spoilers. Okay. Right. So everybody <laughs> should <laughs> accept that and follow the social protocol, please. <laughs> and now what? this will not. Oh, I tell you, head, Brian.
0: Real real quick. Real quick. Last night, my wife and I watched uh, the last episode of season one of Picard. And I bawled my... I I had to hold back the tears, even Mm. though I knew what was coming. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. It -hmm. was such a beautifully done scene. Very well acted. All the way around. The whole last 10 minutes of that episode are quite beautiful. And um, I just... I cannot wait for season two. I mean... We have so much to look forward to, just from what we see in the trailers for this mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. It should so be exciting. pretty cool. In, yeah. in the last season, too, right? They're only doing three seasons of these totals. So right. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Season two is now. He yes. said they're only doing three, so we we yes. have right. two more seasons right. to look forward to.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the last ten minutes of the season one of Picard, it it it, it allowed Data to become a real person because he came to an it it, he he had what we all ends up one day doing coming to an end it was just beautifully done and and just you are like you're going i can't wait so so a couple years ago i i got a bottle of chateau picard and it's been sitting here and i didn't have it for the season one but i'm definitely going to have it tonight for season two when i watch it
1: so so not being a a wine person, but think deeming food or deeming shows to be worthy of certain foods. I would say this first episode was uh, Chateau Picard worthy.
3: Okay. Again, not being a wine person though. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Good to know. Now
1: I want to get into this uh, heavy discussion about diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I do have some general questions, which uh, I'm going to throw out and we can maybe go one by one. And then, you know, as the discussion will evolve because that's what we do and we just talk about everything. But I just thought I would start off with, um, you know one simple-ish question and then we'll go from there and see where the conversation takes us. So my first question for the evening, how does each franchise handle diversity and inclusion behind the scenes?
2: So now, when you say behind the scenes, I mean, I guess we're we're going, are we talking about like the actors themselves and that kind of behind the scenes, which are things that we might not really know unless stories have come out you know later, or are we talking about behind the scenes kind of like the setup, you know the the stuff that's part of the story, but off camera?
1: yeah, so when I say behind the scenes, I mean like kind of the acting choices, so. Or, or like who they've actually cast. So for example, here's where I was kind of going with this, what I was thinking about. So if you look at TNG and you look at it's in the 90s. And so my impression of inclusion in the 90s was, you know, maybe have a woman, have a person of color and bingo, bango, you're set, you're being inclusive. That's all you need. Whereas you look at Star Wars came out in 77. And I think the last one was 82. And for most of those movies, you only really get maybe two women, and only one woman is really a character of substance. Mon Math Mon Math Mathma Mathma is Mothma. cool, mm-hmm. but she's not you know a main character. So you only get Princess Leia, and there's even that Family Guy joke where it's like, hey, it's Princess Leia, the only woman in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I just wanted to explore those and see how they compare and then maybe look at the evolution of discovery, which I think mm-hmm. is naturally the most inclusive. Um, that's kind of where, where I wanted to kick it off. Okay. Okay.
2: Gotcha.
3: Well,
1: if that makes sense.
2: Yes.
3: I, I did make some notes here myself already. And I, and that was a very good question that you came and I, in my opinion, Trek has done a better job in, mm-hmm. in, in dealing with diversity and inclusion. Um, whereas. Star Wars really hasn't and I guess one of the reasons why is since Star Trek is a earth-based story you can have a diverse crew like the Enterprise had in the very first series and it was important to do that to have an Asian on the on the helm and you had uh, Avura is the communications person and you had a, a, a Scotsman and it was you know you had all that diversity but in star wars since it's off earth in a galaxy far far away we don't how how can there be the same genetic development that we have on earth that would occur on another planet would there be like in rose in the the race uh, the more recent films have had more mm-hmm. people of color or women characters and so on but to really have a diverse universe, you'd have to have the same genetic situations happening there as we do here, so really, when you, you look at the early Star Wars movies, you get the impression that it's a white man's world it's a white man's universe yeah I, I, I mean I looked at the, I looked at them all and I'm going, it really wasn't until Billy D. Williams that showed yeah, up
1: he showed up that all yeah. of a
3: sudden there was like wow, there's somebody with darker skin than the rest of us but Really, would you know? Would we? Would other alien creatures develop to look like human beings and have the same genetic changes that yeah. create the diversity in, on our planet?
1: So, Dina, you have you have an answer because like this is such do, a, I a do. confusing question. <laughs> like, well, that I, situation. I think no?
2: again, I think that you know there is some tendency to overthink certain things, and I think overthinking the original Star Wars movie especially you can't compare it to the Star Trek TV show in this way, the Star Trek TV show, the six, you know, in the 1960s, they were definitely very deliberately, you know, Gene Roddenberry was trying to tell social stories. He was trying right. to say yeah. things are going to be different in the future because of all what was going on. Star Wars, the original Star Wars movie, the, you know, 90 ish minutes to however long that you know movie was, it was just two hour, you know, less than two hours of footage. How much can you cover and so you just have one cast. It's just one movie. Maybe it's never going to go anywhere. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. it was a blockbuster movie, but they don't, they didn't know that when they were filming, <laughs> you know, so right. they just made right. one movie with one set of characters, one story, it's one episode. So if you think of it as one episode, it's just mm-hmm. one episode, and then you think of, you know, Empire Strikes Back is a second episode. And so, yes, they have Billy, Billy D. Williams, but there's only so many new characters that they introduce each time. You know, there really wasn't the the quantity of footage. And I think as just a just a movie, they're not trying to do anything other than just make a blockbuster movie, mm-hmm. where Star Trek from day one was trying to do something different. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really hard, to, especially in the old days, yes. it's very hard okay. to compare today. It's different because today, now that we're all thinking about this and now that especially star Wars is catching up in terms of quantity of footage, it's different, but the old stuff, I don't think you can compare.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point because like, I think now if you're making a TV show, there's an expectation that you have to be mm-hmm. diverse and inclusive, even if your show isn't about that. Whereas in the like when in the 70s, I don't know that was a requirement. So you're right. In the 60s when it came, when Star Trek came, I was like, we're that's our thing. That's the thing we're trying to Mm do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that that definitely makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah. And I think comparing just the nature of a film or a movie versus like a three season long, you know, there was, you know, how many hours, you know, like hours and hours and hours and hours of footage of, of the original series where there's less than two hours of footage of the original Star Wars movie. It's very hard, you know, and I think there's so many unfair comparisons just because movie versus TV show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I would say, I mean, there's a lot of Imperial officers in all of those movies. You could just throw in, just have like a female Imperial officer mm-hmm. or have a Imperial officer of color. Mm-hmm. You can have like the guy that gets choked up by Darth Vader. There's no reason for him to be white. <laughs> you know, he can just so well, I feel like
2: unless they were trying to make a statement about the bad guys there uh, you know if you accept that the imperial oh. you know the they're 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 the bad guys maybe they're trying to make a statement
1: right and, that, and that there's a the whole thing about them all being british which i know gets brought up mm-hmm. i've heard fans bring that up before which that's a whole other
3: conversation mm-hmm. that's because it was shot in england so yeah <laughs> you had, you had yeah. a pretzel of english actors that you could hire locally to be in those roles and and to have Alec Guinness and and um Peter Cushing in the film, I mean that was like that gave the movie star power. Oh yeah, know? for sure. Yeah. So
1: but it's like, just like I remember I think I thought it was uh I was gonna say William Shatner. It's not William Shatner. George Lucas that like I think he wanted intentionally like the rebels to be American or something. I don't know if that's true, but that's hmm. a whole other <laughs> rabbit hole we can go down.
0: Mon Mothma see. I think was had an accent if I'm not mistaken. Yes, you're right.
1: Yep. I stand corrected. I mean, that
0: still doesn't... It still well, doesn't mean the theory isn't all the way true. You know, maybe they're... I don't know. Slipped. slipped. She and was, it gets more confusing when know. you throw in
1: the prequels, and they're <laughs> also all British, even though they're all good guys, too. But, um, but yeah, so that's a good point, that maybe it isn't comparable. What, Brian, what are your thoughts on the question number one?
0: Well, I, t- I, tend, I tend to agree with Adina is... I think that difference in the one movie and hoping against Allah, just going to be good enough to make money. And I mean, they weren't really thinking sequels and all that stuff. It was, it was just a space movie um, with a bunch of lasers and a hero, you know, a hero in a hero, a young kid coming up, trying to figure out how to be a Jedi. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just, it was a very simple, but classic story. Set mm-hmm. in a very fantastic setting, so I I don't think it is fair for maybe even maybe even all three of the original films to compare to what Trek because, like Adina said, and and it's one of the things that Star Trek fans like to boast about and brag about is, mm-hmm. you know, we really have a franchise that we love and hold dear that from day one was about something more than just making money it was about telling a story of inclusion of hey in the there is a future you know um and it can be good it can be excellent and we're going to work towards overcoming horrible things like racism we're going to learn how to work together i mean You know even with uhura being on the on the set i mean it was incredible to have a russian on the bridge Mm -hmm. yeah you know what i mean i mean that was cold
1: war yeah exactly during the cold War, just
0: as big a deal to have a russian on the bridge that they worked together with that they liked that they loved you know like um uh, that that type of inclusion even beyond black and white um, which, of course, we know. Uh, b- back in that time, uh, I mean, t- you know, Martin Luther King Jr. had that very now historic chat with Nichelle Nichols. Yes, and it and it wasn't Thank it wasn't that, that it wasn't that she was doing a bunch of stuff. It was just that she was there and representation. his kids, Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: representation mm-hmm. matters. Yes, mm-hmm. he got yes. There,
0: His kids got to see her yes. every week playing a vital part on this ship mm-hmm. um and so
2: if anyone listening if you have not seen Nichelle nichols tell that story just google Nichelle nichols interview mlk on youtube and there's a there's a couple times that she's told it but she talks about how she was going to leave star trek and right, martin uh... luther king himself convinced her not to it's mm-hmm. a wonderful story and it really is It you know we we use the phrase these days lately representation matters this is exactly what they were doing before. Now the the phrase mm-hmm. that we use. Yeah.
0: And uh, I think. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I just. And she has influenced women going into outer space. There's a documentary. I haven't seen it yet. But it looks wonderful. Telling that story of her role in um, aiding that. And inspiring women mm-hmm. to go after that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think that. The legacy of Star Trek definitely is that from day one, um, it, it was about something more than just science fiction or just, you know, fantastic stories. It, it was about spreading a message of inclusion. You know, it, it, the original series didn't do it perfectly either. No, um, no, they weren't and, perfect.
2: And they were trying to make money too. And they had yeah. pressures from the studios about yes. like how much money they were spending. They were a very high budget, you know, TV show. So there was that existed, but... You know, Roddenberry was trying to get all this on the screen and trying to, you know, mm-hmm. to to show a different future for for all of us. And what's amazing, though, is if we skip ahead then to d- today, I think Star Wars, now that they're into doing the shows, is really also uh, doing some very interesting, amazing things. Have you guys heard this one with Boba Fett? and the, the Tuscan Raiders.
1: Oh yeah. The, I just heard this story, yeah. a week
2: or a week or so ago. And I, I went and looked up some articles about it, but they're doing a, a sign language based, a gestural based language.
0: Yes. And apparently
2: it was a deaf actor who helped create that, who was, oh, you know, wow. help create that. And which when I was, I didn't know this when I was watching it. And I, I was again, and I don't know much more beyond, you know, the alphabet and one or two, one or two, um, hand signs but when i was watching it i was amazed at how natural it looked and how i mean it really worked really well and then so now to find out a little bit behind the scenes how it was developed by someone who really knows what they're talking about
3: yeah, <laughs> pun intended
2: uh it was it was really wonderful and that's beautiful and i think that's that's a great way that the franchise is showing inclusion both on and then yeah, behind the scenes yeah, exactly. literally mm-hmm. really behind the scenes
1: mm-hmm. yeah, that's so true because they are definitely catching up And even just going back to the comment about the original series and not doing it perfectly all the time. I think the challenge, too, is it was just inclusion meant something different in the 60s as opposed to now. But yeah, yeah, still very definitely revolutionary. And sort of what we're talking about leads into my second question, which is how do characters in each franchise verbalize verbalize inclusion? Which it sounds like they maybe don't necessarily verbalize that so much in uh, Star Wars.
3: No, they didn't. And, you know, because in Star Trek, the, that great phrase by Spock, which is infinite diversity in infinite combinations. I mean, that just covers it right there yeah. without question. Whereas you had Han Solo saying his famous line, hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your <laughs> side. Well, it's basically just poo-pooing the belief right. in something more of a higher level of, of a force, whatever it can be, you know, if it's God or if it's, you know, the, the, the life force that they talk about. And I know again, that was keeping things simple, bang, bang, shoot them up, whatever. But, you know, Star Trek always used that as a basis of, you know, that is the existence of the infinite diversity and infinite combinations. That says Mm -hmm. it all right there.
2: You know, Star Wars wasn't all, and again, I don't think, I think Star Wars still did some fantastic things back in the day. They just weren't as deliberate or as obvious. So I watched Star Wars. So Star Wars comes out in 1977, and I first saw it in about 1980 when I was six. And so here's what I'm, and so at the age of six, I believe I was completely unaware that in society, there are some possible uh, expectations or limitations on what men versus women do. 6 years old, I'm unaware. Uh, I don't know. I I see this movie. So I'm watching this movie, yes, Princess Leia is a princess, but she's a bad ass princess. I yeah, mean, for sure. Ser- seriously, she's, she's really she, right. So that's my first exposure to you know, my now Disney princess is, you know, yes, someone comes to rescue her, but she's grabbing the blaster and kind of saving themselves. She's taking charge. Mm -hmm. So they still did some unintentional. I mean, they were not doing it deliberately. They were, I know they were not like, oh, we have to show this woman powerful. No, they're just telling the story. It just happened to be that she was such a fantastic, strong character. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's always been my role model because she's, you know that strong, smart, and gorgeous. I mean, like she's all of it, which is just to me one was always wonderful. And I've always loved her character for for all of that. It's been great.
3: My goddaughter Mm. actually has a a tattoo of Princess Leia holding a blaster on her arm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's really cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, she might be my she might be my favorite character in the Star Wars in the original Star Wars franchise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. and And again, Um, that's, that's really interesting. I'd never thought of it that way, Adina. Uh, I think that's a pretty powerful statement and something that our listeners should hold on to because that, she really was quite strong and powerful Mm -hmm. and very sure of herself. And, um, you know, the the other characters were drawn to her, you Mm know, she was a leader. Yeah. (laughs) And,
2: and they, and they kept that leadership role for her into the new movies which yeah. is you know she's yeah, generally she like, <laughs> mm-hmm. right, right you know so she really is amazing so here i am as a six seven year old girl that's that's what i'm watching without really knowing and without it being deliberate it's just being there and that was you know
3: and they've carried that to the later films where ray's a major character mm-hmm. and you know it was so sweet because when, when we could afford to go to disneyland we'd see little girls dressed like Ray. You know, they'd have mm-hmm. the whole outfit that she had at the beginning of the movie where she's in, the, you know, for the oh, desert clothing.
0: My, my daughter adores Ray.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's another strong female character. And also in, in Rogue One. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You have, you have a woman who's the leading character there.
2: But I think the difference and why I think Princess Leia, to me, surpasses them is because I think it was a little bit more organic. It wasn't done with we. Ha- okay, we have to show a strong female. I think now when when Ray comes in, which again I love the character of Ray, but I think it's still done a little bit more deliberately. I really like when it wasn't when it's just like okay, yeah, just of course Princess Leia is Princess Leia. She's just
0: yeah amazing. Just, also, you know. also the difference is. You know, I, that deliberateness is important to understand. And it's okay that Star Wars is different than Star Trek yes. in this regard too because how dull would that be to have two franchises oh, be yeah. pretty identical <laughs> with what they're going after? Um, I, I think it's wonderful that they're so different in a, in a, almost every way. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, again, getting back to st- to, to Star Trek, it's just set up to tell stories about the differences between, you know, they did it a lot in the original series about the differences, learning about racism through the eyes of an alien race who mm-hmm. is, are, is black on one side, white on the other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're it's mm-hmm. which side are they black on which side is are they white on, you know? Kirk and Spock, like, why are you guys treating them this way? And, you know, the guy who was the original Joker in the Batman series. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, Frank Gorsham. Uh, you know, so that, what's his name?
3: Frank Gorsham.
0: Gorsham. F- worth, worth making sure yeah. our listeners know because uh, it's a fantastic character mm-hmm. uh, uh, and character actor. And, you know, well, are you blind? Can't you see? He's black on one side, white on, you know, whatever it was, left or right. And Kirk and Spock are in this career standing there going, what in the heck? You know? Yep. And so for the viewers of that time period, that would have, and even now it still plays pretty powerfully mm-hmm. as far as the message that is trying to get, be brought across the screen to us, is that we really judge in judge each other in such simple ways um based on color of skin based on what side of the railroad tracks you were born on which Mm -hmm. you know um and and i think star trek just made did a beautiful job in the sci-fi realm of of saying hey wait a minute there's some stuff we need to examine about ourselves Mm -hmm. but viewers could watch it and listen to it because it was great storytelling Mm-hmm. and they could think about it um and you know at the end they usually had a cute little humorous moment with spock mccoy and kirk you know to kind of lighten it right at the end too oftentimes so
3: but not that one i think yeah they, that no not was... that one they, they end up just saying that you know what happened to them they're probably the they found that you know it's it's a desolate landscape and it's just the two of them and they'll just fight each other to death My only
1: concern or complaint with that episode, and this I hope we don't go down a rabbit hole try not to, (laughs) but just the fact that they don't ever condemn the what I can't remember his name, like the guy that's like we know we like the enslaver guy. Mm -hmm. It just they seem to very much condemn both of those people because they're like, Well, how can you behave this way? But it's like you're not acknowledging the fact that this other person is being like his the people with the that's why it's so confusing with the with the black on the one, one side. One on one side, one on are, the other side. Yep. Are being yeah. like treated, <laughs> are being abused and put in slaves, are, are being enslaved, but Kirk doesn't ever condemn that. It just, everybody kind of looks at them and go, oh, those people, look at the two of them going mm-hmm. at it. Aren't hmm. That's they interesting. I don't
2: think I ever picked up on that. I, I no. need to, it's been a while since I've watched that But episode. the
1: running is hilarious, which I yeah. always cracks me
0: up. I do think one of the tragic results of racism in our culture, and, and I think that... And we could probably pick handfuls of, of episodes across the Star Trek mm-hmm. universe where they've dealt with this in, in one way or another, even if it was just touched upon lightly or heavily in different episodes, but racism leads to more racism. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it, it just the hatred just keeps going and going, and even the people that are oppressed that the racism can be pointed towards can, in turn, get so fed up and and struggle with that that they hate back in return as a natural Mm -hmm. result of the oppression and the hatred being heaped upon them and so i love the episodes and of course i can't name any right off the top of my head but i know they exist numerously where the characters in our in our starships are like we can't believe this is happening like if they Mm -hmm. only knew Um, that it's just gonna, it's gonna lead to more hatred. It's gonna lead to more killing. It's gonna lead to more, um, oppression. And, um, so I love that, that this thing that I grew up with, um, taught me at a very early age, along with good parents and family Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, that's unacceptable. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, it really, but it did it in a way that made you think, you know, it showed you different avenues of this or ways this come out. Uh, And so it was very thought-provoking, these episodes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Now, I always think of Alexander when Steve was mentioning the, you know, infinite diversity and infinite... um,
2: Combinations.
1: Combinations, yes. I I (laughs) actually had
3: to look it up. I couldn't remember it myself, and I had to look it up and type it down because I could never remember the exact wording.
1: And I live and breathe. I can remember, like, most dialogue from most of the movies, (laughs) but I can't remember this one thing. But mm-hmm. the phrase that always sticks out to me, or the line, rather, is what Captain Kirk says to Alexander when he says, well, people care that I'm short. And then he says, in the future, in Starfleet, no one will care. Or oh, um, yeah. oh, there's some variation of that line. Now I'm mm-hmm. blanking because I can't remember that line. To now, I, I want to go,
2: like, we watch that episode tomorrow. It's, yeah, It's yeah.
1: really disturbing. I would say it's the most terrifying Trek episode ever, personally.
2: Wow. <laughs> that's a that's an interesting mm-hmm adjective to describe a yeah. track deck
1: <laughs> just because they're like they're being controlled and it's like literally mm-hmm. kirk can be controlled in such a way that he will kill spock and spock mm-hmm. is trying to kill kirk mm-hmm. and they're and the the people are like manipula are physically mm-hmm. controlling them and it's just like a horrifying thing that they just they, they obviously they save the day mm-hmm. and they figure everything out but that but scene it, oof, it gives me the willies.
3: Isn't it interesting that Alexander, that's the one, again, with the Romans and the whole thing, the power that they have, right? And at the end, when Alexander has the ability to kill them, and he wants to, he wants to exact his revenge for the mistreatment he got, and they go, you can't do that. You can't lower yourself to their level. And that's another lesson of just because you can seek revenge for being mistreated doesn't mean you should. You know yeah. that was yeah. Good. You know point. that
0: that makes me think of, um, I I wrote a research paper in college, um, about how Star Trek has dealt with racism. I have to f- see if I have it somewhere oh, in some old really file, cool. mm-hmm. um, and it is one of the most powerful things about Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country is that our hero Captain Kirk has to come to grips with the fact that he's got some stuff inside of him because of what the klingons did to his son that he wasn't even aware was really fully there mm-hmm. um and it start and it was clouding his judgment he was saying things even though he was you know criminal you know illegally being recorded or whatever you know um we find out but i just i to me that was i, I love that story first of all the great christopher plummer just that's all mm-hmm. we have to say but <laughs> yeah. um just just i love how <laughs> <The> original klingon <laughs> i yeah. love how kirk wrestles and overcomes that though in the end and mm-hmm. and that's something that's that i love about trek is oftentimes not always though because it's real li- i love that it's real life sometimes too in these stories mm-hmm. is is that if you recognize it and this is what gene roddenberry wanted to portray in star trek is that if we recognize stuff that is dark or evil in us or that is is not just we have the ability as human beings to change if we desire to change Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that was big in star trek six it wasn't just i gotta change so that i can be the hero and save the day kirk realized he's got this darkness in him that came from a very real place i mean it was you know, Klingon's yeah. killing his son would mm-hmm. affect you. Yep. Um, and so I love that realness in that, that rawness. They talked about that. And then Kirk through that story progresses and gets to the point where he realizes we can change. In fact, he turns inside the Federation Council room right there and says, Sometimes we can be afraid of change. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. has this very powerful moment. So
1: Yep, yeah, and I love the fact that he like, even acknowledges that Gorkin had to die for him to realize just how prejudiced he was. So it's like, like someone really had to die for Kirk to be like, oh, wow, I've, I've got mm-hmm. this in me. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, it was a very bold choice for them to actually hit that on the head and like, let's deal with it. Let's have our characters be openly racist, even though we're not used to our characters being that way mm-hmm. and handle it well without tarnishing them.
2: And we're used to some of them being quite the opposite, because I know people like to point to when Kirk, uh, you know, in the first episode where we saw the Romulans, where we saw the Romulans and they look like Spock. And so one of the other yeah. guys on the bridge is like, hey, you know, Mr. Vulcan, don't you like the, you know, your fellow and, and Kirk shuts him down quick and says, hey, I won't tolerate that here on my bridge. So here you have someone who we believe is. We we truly believe is a good guy and has really got it all straight. But you know, yes, life happens and yep, the darkness developed in him. And and yeah.
1: It is true. It's not even like just Kirk. It's also uh Uhura with like, did you see the way they ate and like the guest mm-hmm. who's coming it's to all dinner? Of all mm-hmm. of that stuff. It's like they're all being like pretty openly prejudiced, mm-hmm. which we're yeah. not used to, but they explored in such a way that it comes from a, a human place, I guess for the lack of a better word. And It's very
2: real. It's disturbingly realistic.
3: It's so realistic that one of the actors who was the helmsman on the Enterprise, because of what he looked like, ended up in a relocation camp in the United States.
2: Yep. Well, because of what he looked like and because of where his family, where he was from. Right.
3: And so if you look at what you just said, is that just because Spock looked like a Romulan, the assumption is, oh, you must be. A sympathizer now. Mm-hmm. You're the spy yeah. on the on ship. So it's uh it it was almost there. Was I was wondering if George Dekay's going, This is really close to the bone. Because
2: mm-hmm. he didn't come out and start talking about that till much later.
3: No, right, no, he he didn't discuss yeah. really about his internment until like yeah. maybe till the eighties or so. He really started to talk about or later. That. Also about, you know. I feel like it was his, even later. Yeah, so
1: yeah so this i'm just trying to figure out where where we can go now because we have there's a lot of questions but it feels like we might want to discuss how and i guess we can do a vote like how do human characters interact with alien species that's my like number three question yeah I and like we're that sort question. of talking about that because i i do want to like say one of the things and i guess we can get into this in that discussion one of the challenges i find with trek is that they, a lot of the aliens do have what I call the one species, one shtick approach, (laughs) where it's like, okay, each species, they have a shtick. It's like, all right, Klingons, all you have to say is honor and talk about fighting someone and Mm -hmm. dying. And that's what you got to do in every scene. And -hmm. that's how characters react to them. It's like, oh, you're a Klingon. You must be about honor. Mm -hmm. You must want to do that thing.
2: And again, I think there, we do have to appreciate that some of this is just the nature of, of television and movies developing, you know, I think there Mm -hmm. is some of that where if you have a a book or novels, you have the ability to go into so much more depth and detail than you can on the screen. So I I think that you have to take some of that with a grain of salt that unfortunately a lot of the aliens do come out to be stereotypes of their, of their race. Um, And so, but again, I, 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 feel like we can't be too critical because it is a TV show. It is a movie, you know, it is a movie and there is, there are practical limitations in terms of, well, not just, you know, budgets, uh, but really yeah. also. Well, that's actually what time. I want to get
1: into as well. At yeah. some point when we can yeah. get into this is the budget situation.
2: Yeah. How much, you know, time can you spend in a, you know, 50 minute episode, you know, what can, what right. can you do? Right. And I, I did actually enjoy, you know, some of the, the episodes in, in, enterprise when we really started to actually learn you know more about T'Pol and Vulcans that's where I thought Mm -hmm. we started to get we really started to get different sides of the Vulcans and I loved the episode where we went back and met her mother and back to the Vulcan homeworld. you know so I think there is Mm -hmm. the good thing uh, about Trek especially is there is so much room for that development, and especially and that's where I think the the novelizations come in. And some of when I years and years ago, when I had more time, I used to read the novels. And my favorite ones were the ones that were, you know, took place on the Klingon homeworld, and all the characters were not the normal characters that we're used to dealing with, or took place, you know, on the Vulcan homeworld, you know, and and just you know, were in the universe, but dealt with something else and not the normal characters that we you know that we know and mm-hmm. love those were some yeah. of the best novels
1: yeah and that's very true like the thing that the and I understand that there is the budget limitation I understand from like just to create a creative perspective it's like well you want to have different species and it's easier to all give them one specific trait so that when that species comes on the viewer knows okay that's this species this is what they do but then i just like even the fact that you can't always explore that aspect the fact that the human characters will will often refer to that trait and it's like oh you're quirk you're going to try and sell me something it's like well he is but you just made that assumption and he, even like kim says well we were warned about you we were warned about the Ferengi and it's like warned about the Ferengi what's your name son it's like so even like people at Starfleet are like hey all Ferengi like they just want to sell you stuff so mm-hmm. just watch out
2: mm-hmm. And it was it was interesting how they they did though, and while that particular part of Ferengi culture kind of like remained true, uh, that was also some of my favorite Deep, deep Space Nine is when we met Moogie.
1: Yes, I yeah. love
2: Moogie movie again, again pa- like really interesting, intelligent, and very strong woman to to flout her the culture that she was raised in to do what she really felt passionate about, and did, she didn't let her culture stop her. And, <laughs> and
1: then you Star Trek who
0: sorry yeah. go ahead Chris
1: oh I was going to say you get Rom who ends up becoming the Grand Negus, and he just implements <laughs> a bunch of reforms and that's kind of implied
2: and even before he was the Grand I mean like he was not a typical for Rangi so we oh you yeah know, so I think yep. and then yeah, Rom and then Nog these are not so I think yeah. you know Star Trek did when they they did have some ability if they decided that it was working you know, if the I think if the direction of the show was working they were willing to do it it's just
0: well, the the, yeah. the nuances of the Ferengi culture, though, think about it. Outlandish, they the women have to walk around naked. Okay. Yeah. Outlandish. We see that, and it's humorous. It's ridiculous, but it's saying something too, though, about the ridiculous nature of that, and. Um, turning it around, and you know, they get excited when they see a Ferengi woman fully clothed. You know, yeah, it gets Um them more like excited. like yeah. you know, and and how how that is a male dominated society, and they tell the story, and there's all the humor in it and all that stuff. But even in that, the ridiculous nature of it is saying something in Trek, mm-hmm. about, yeah, about about how you know, like in the in Deep Space Nine did a wonderful job with Moogie. And changing Quark's mind about that situation and mm-hmm. definitely Rom. And, you know, so in Nog progressing to be about more than just, you know, he, he giving his whole life to be in Starfleet and the ultimate sacrifice, being willing to make the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice. But there's a, there's a really interesting episode of Next Generation that I, that I just this week started thinking about. In relation to looking forward to this conversation, and it's the one where Riker goes to the Klingon ship oh, to be yeah. first officer mm-hmm. of that Klingon ship. Yeah, uh, that and
2: was a matter of honor. Matter
0: oh, of yeah, honor. I think it's matter yeah. of honor. And thank you, Adina. And th- what's interesting about that episode to me is because if you listen to, um, and in my world we're talking we we over the last couple of years everything that's happened in the U.S um in 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 all that stuff with with racism and how divided we are um we're talking a lot about this in my circles and uh, what can we do to improve this? What do we need to change mm-hmm. and the word that is buzzing around everybody is relationship you in order to know somebody, you have to know them you have to mm-hmm eat with them you have to talk with them to understand their perspective you have to listen mm-hmm. and and you have to be together and so Riker here he goes to the he's willing to go to a very uncomfortable sit I mean they don't even have padding on their beds for crying they sleep on slabs of metal and rock whatever you know and he goes with an open mind I mean he goes to prove you know he's tough you know Starfleet can be tough too you know But he goes to learn and because he's living with these Klingons and he's learning about their culture and he's not just outright rejecting it as odd and strange to him. He's learning. He gains their ultimate respect and honor in their eyes because he does what is the hardest thing to do and that is to spend time with somebody who looks different than you, who has a different culture, who has a different way of approaching life and they learn about him they learn that hey um you know these 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 humans they don't say humans like cork does <laughs> um but you know they they in turn learn something about humans and about starfleet through riker and his ability to flex and learn mm-hmm. and yeah i think that's sure. fascinating
1: and i also want to point out the thing that i actually talked about this on an old episode when i was doing like a case for or against riker but the fact that he spends, I think it's maybe an hour, or a couple of hours before he goes over to the ship, he spends some time in 10 Forward just eating a bunch of Klingon food to the point where it's like right. the only other person who's ever been able to eat Klingon food who wasn't Klingon was Dax. And he's like, not just like, I'll try a little bit, but he's just so into it. And it's like, that just shows that he's accepting. He's like, I'm going to spend this time that I don't have to, like most officers I think would say, Hey, I'm going to go over to this Klingon ship. I'm not going to have earth food for our human food for a while i'm going to indulge but he's like no i want to get really into it and just experience it
0: and and on the flip side of that too we see was it the klingon officer that came over to the enterprise too in turn Uh, yeah um you know that crew had a lot of adjusting and picard encourages them to to not just outright reject his leadership style to give it a chance Mm -hmm. um and so fascinating again, just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cool story. I think the storytelling in that episode is pretty good. It's a nice story, but those little nuances that are thrown in there, um, I think are really nice. And and it, again, it doesn't have to always be, sometimes it is in your face, man, this is hard to talk about. This is hard to watch, but sometimes having more of a, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Um, is a, a, just a gentler approach to it. it. Can also be powerful in different ways, um, to where it just gets you thinking, and then internalizing stuff. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I watch stuff just for the entertainment, and yeah, exactly. you know. But but I also do like thinking about what I watch, and do I agree with that? Do I mm-hmm. you know was were they wrong in my opinion? You know, did they make the right decisions? What would I have done? And that's that's what I love about track. It it gets you thinking, and man, what
3: about? Star Wars, because I feel like thank Star you. Wars- I was going to just I was gonna <laughs> bring that up. No, I was just going to bring. Going here, we are reciting <laughs> every example of what we're talking about here, and it's all about Star Trek. And going, what about Star Wars? What about Star Wars? And it really goes back to what Adina said: is that there's just not that much material out there. You know, they've done the animated series.
0: It's all about the action, right? It's all about the overcoming evil.
3: Right. And that's go ahead, Chris. Oh, sorry. You can go ahead. No, no, no. I was I was gonna just say is that I think Star Wars created a lot of different species and a lot of different characters and in their case, a lot of different robots, Adina, <laughs> because those were the characters that they wanted to create. And he also wanted to fill his universe with diverse species. So he used a lot of puppets and he used a lot of makeup. And, and, and then in the later films, a tremendous amount of CGI right, work of course. Um, to just kind of fill the universe with all these different creatures. Whereas Star Trek, Everything seems always is a humanoid. Yes, that's, yeah. you know, and, but and again, the one I, thing that, I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh, no, but I think, again, we have to appreciate the, the cost in, right. in doing that. Well,
1: yeah. So it's-, it's actually one of my points. So a couple of things. I want to say one thing before, but I guess we can go into the question about budget and resources because he mm-hmm. is hinting at that. But it, so I want to make the counter argument for Star Wars that I think Star Wars in a lot of ways maybe handles aliens, I don't know if I want to say better, but pretty well, just because I get the impression when I'm watching Star Wars that when you're watching a human character interacting with an alien, for the most part, it seems like everybody's just totally unfazed. Everybody's code-switching, everybody's speaking in their language, but they're all interacting. And for Mm -hmm. the most part, I don't get the sense that humanoids are uncomfortable around aliens just like not that they're in the main storyline but it's just like watching them in a bar i feel like they're not they're being very inclusive even though the show isn't saying hey look how inclusive we are you're just getting this impression that
2: that it's normal this is yeah this is normal normal life this is how they grew up this Mm -hmm. is just you know it's Mm -hmm. there's there's humanoids and then there's non-humanoids and whatever and i think you know star wars is was always pretty cool because they did put some some non-bipedal like so or some because we, we, okay, so we saw in Star Trek, you know, you got Spock, but he's, yeah. for all intents and purposes, you know, two arms, two legs, the same height as we are, is very, very, very similar to humans. And mm-hmm. even you have Worf, you have Deanna Troy, who's half-bated. They're all very, very humanoid. What Star Wars did, that is, I think, slightly better. But again, I don't think they did this for any deliberate, inclusive reason. It was just because it was interesting and it worked. So you have Yoda,
0: mm-hmm. who
2: is, while he's got two arms and two legs, he does not move around like... You know, you or I do, but he's a very main character, very main, interesting character. Then you have Jabba the Hutt, who's a slug yep yeah you know so you did so they did do a really interesting job with that and i also noticed again it boba fett recently so they're talking about like an episode or two of the mayor the mayor and Mm -hmm. i really i had a picture of some humanoid character and then when we actually see the mayor i'm like wait like that's really neat and and i loved how they did the language with him because you hear both you hear him and then you hear the translation, you hear it all kind of like simultaneously. So I really loved how they did that. And yes, no yeah. one is, no one is phased by it. It's just, this is normal. We interact with all kinds of just, you know, unusual aliens, and that's okay.
1: Yeah. I always like that. Sort of too, just going off of this, and I guess this does get into the budget situation where Dina's like saying that, yeah, like on Star Trek, it's like everybody's humanoid. You throw in a bumpy forehead, you're good to go. Most, People were well. I'd say, like, especially in the '90s Trek, it was like, yeah, most most aliens were white people with bumpy foreheads. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I guess, how does how do you think this has already been hinted at? But like, how do you think the budget and resources mm-hmm. impact yes. both of those shows? Because Star Trek, you get the impression that well, they're all about diversity and aliens. It's like, well, ninety percent of the ship is human. Like, if we're looking at TNG
0: right yeah. i I think this i think we have shows like discovery yes um picard i think the newer start the the kelvin timeline films too also even just as far as aliens they they're they're getting much more creative because they have larger budgets
1: mm-hmm.
0: in these shows too with the aliens even on discovery we're seeing starting to see some insectoid looking character oh, on yeah, the well, bridge nice. and um, oh. you know, we're seeing people with different, it's, it's not just the forehead mm-hmm. or the nose that's wrinkled. It's, mm-hmm. it's, they're getting much more creative. And I think part of that is because of budget for sure. Um, in and, and what they can do with prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think too, like, like we're, I think star Wars maybe, Oh, Wow, I'm about to say something I never thought I'd ever say. I'm I'm going back from the computer. Star Wars. And this is hard as a Star Trek fan, but I'm going to do it. Um Star Wars maybe paved the way for Trek to kind of get to where we are right now as far as mm-hmm. aliens go. Oh, I think so. Um that 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 is what is now kind of the standard for what normal, you know, looking way different than us. Mm-hmm. um when it comes to alien species and so we're seeing discovery picard uh, m- maybe not as much picard just because of the nature of the story they're telling but definitely the newer films we see much more diversity e- amongst the aliens of trek and right, what think they that, look definitely. like
2: yes and, and that that speaks to the budget that speaks to kind of a what audiences are are expecting and you know, because again, when we go back to the original Star Trek series, they were on the verge of being canceled for going over budget, like constantly. So, mm-hmm. and they, you know, there are so many decisions. If you read the, the, the wonderful book inside Trek yes. by the producers, it's great. And they have story after story after story of the decisions that they made purely based on budget.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know,
2: So, so that's, that was a real, real concern. And it's great that now that's the purse strings are <laughs> a little bit, uh, oh, no, yeah. wider, yeah. uh, which is, it's again, it's, you know, as the franchise grows, uh, it, it gets Garner's more resources mm-hmm. and that, that's fantastic. But again, I don't fault them for living within those constraints. I mean, it got us to where we are.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say like, I'm criticizing yeah. you for it because right, I recognize right. yeah. you're doing a, you're doing a 45 minute show. You have a limited budget. You only you know the way the world is right now we only have access to human actors so <laughs> yeah. you know unless you want to get thrown the odd animal mm-hmm. i had but, a concern so I, that. if
2: my yeah. if my books or anything ever get turned into like a show i really would rather prefer it be animated
0: yeah. oh it's interesting because Then you
2: really have you, you almost have like a, in that way you kind of have a fixed budget <laughs> yeah you know you're yeah. animating whether you're animating like something with eight legs or two it doesn't matter you know at that point it doesn't doesn't i like to think it doesn't matter that much
0: right
3: right and and even in star wars ai creatures robots and so on were an integral part and they were i mean was the the scene where they walk into the bar in tatooine and the bartender turns and looks at r2d2 and c3 and goes we don't feed your kind in your gown yeah. you know so excluding them because they're robots you know but They are a life form and they have a personality and they have, you know, almost to some degree, you might even say a soul that they have. So they that's part of what was never really in Trek except for data.
1: Yeah, you never really got the the, like you got some androids, but yeah, data was the first one, whereas Star Wars. Yeah, I think they are treated like second class citizens. And I was watching Rebels.
2: Data was the yep. first main character. Right. Yes. Android. But
1: yes. we also, but that's what I mean. We got androids. I think yeah. uh, the I'm androids and then the.
2: Yeah.
1: Weird like androids where you can make someone an android by putting them on the table and spitting them really fast. Right. Yes. What are, I think, what is that? What up. are little girls made of? That's yep, a weird That's episode. the one.
2: Yeah, but I, I think, you know, that that's just kind of the fundamental differences in the universes, you know, Star mm-hmm. Wars, they gave us a universe where just these robots that are borderline sentient or just normal and they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's just not and and Star Trek being a little bit closer to our real world, just that just it doesn't have it. And, you know, it, it when we were had our last episode, we were thinking about time travel and what it made me think of is just, yeah, there is no time travel to my knowledge in the Star Wars universe. Right. And I, and I say to my knowledge is because I never uh, watched cl- all the all of Clone Wars and I haven't read the novels. But <clears throat> that's a universe completely free of that. But yet, on the other hand, they have the force and that, you know, mm-hmm. their universe is built on the force. And of course, that's not a thing in, in Star Trek because that is specifically Star Wars. So, I, you know,
0: although Q would make a fantastic Sith Lord. Uh, <laughs> that would be interesting, too. but
2: I think he's too much of a good guy.
1: Like, I, I know we were talking about this along maybe two or three weeks ago in our group chat about like, oh, like great villains and tracking like is Q a villain, but that's a whole other thing. But yes, I wouldn't mind seeing a uh, uh, Q okay. in Star Wars. That's, he's chaotic that's a future neutral.
0: episode. Yeah. I might, I would, I might I have to go back chaotic. and forth with you, Chris.
2: Yeah. I would make Q chaotic neutral.
0: Yeah.
1: But I just feel like everything he does, even though he's being a jerk, he's still helping out the crew
3: mm-hmm. in eh. various ways. Eh.
2: He's a I villain. Mean, he's with causing just as much Problem. I mean, like he introduced them to the Borg,
1: but he got them ready for the Borg.
2: Eh. Whoa. <laughs> Which,
1: yeah. Whoa. This is a whole other. This
3: is a whole rabbit hole. <laughs> we 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 have we have a real different episode here. I love it. That's great. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you look at Enterprise, and it wasn't until the fourth season where they said, "Okay, let's tackle the differences between TOS and all other Klingons," and they did it in a beautiful way. And they really, again, in that storyline, those without ridges were second class creatures and so on.
1: You gotta say one last thing. This will not hopefully turn into a discussion. <laughs> I'm so thankful for Enterprise solving that issue. And then I'm still bitter about Discovery coming along and saying, nope, we're throwing that all out. And the Klingons are gonna be even more different now.
3: When, when we get to talking about why someone here doesn't really like Discovery, that was one of the opening bits. I went yeah. wait a minute. Now they're lizard people? Because it was like wait, they look more like the uh zindi reptiles. Yeah. That that why yeah. did they do that? See, I guess did-
2: that didn't I guess that didn't bother me because because of the enterprise explanation that there are different kind of different subspecies of Klingons when I first saw Discovery and I first saw this iteration I'm like okay there's there's an even more and okay no big is so to me it like wasn't that big of a deal
1: it's just like if they <laughs> if, if if enterprise didn't go out of its way to like solve that problem I mm-hmm. would have less of an issue but I'll say so from the years 2005 to 2017 I could I slept very happily <laughs> knowing that at least the Klingon issue with the forehead had been solved
3: mm-hmm. And it was again. It was done. It was done. I I mean, if that was an intention of Manny Koto to tackle that storyline in the fourth season, then congratulations to him for having done that because it was really done very well. Oh yeah, it was was, brilliant. But even there was so much, even more in Discovery where they've changed the the Klingons, the type of ships, their reaction, the way they acted, and thing. It's 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 so much away from everything else that it it's almost like you'd have to say that they were a splinter group even more so, but they don't even get into that. And that becomes the basis for the the Klingon human war that happened. Yeah, the first episode or you season. Know?
1: But like any final thoughts, any?
3: Yeah, um, i was going to say, I don't know. And, and then the other thing was, you know, when you wrote the question of humans interacting with aliens, it also came to me about the philosophy in Star Wars and Star Trek. In Star Trek, the, the, the prime directive if you look at how humans were to deal with aliens, which is no touchy, mm, mm. no touchy. You don't get involved. You don't influence them, whatever you, you stay away from that.
2: It's not how humans it's how Starfleet. Right.
3: right. But Starfleet, right. you always think about is Earth base.
2: Well, but I guess my point and being human, is in humans, are people who are not part of. I mean, there are humans out in the galaxy or you know out there they've got ships they're not starfleet they're not bound by the prime directive that's what i that's what i mean only mm, starfleet okay. is bound by the prime directive starfleet and then the the federation the government i would say the if i'm just a person and i'm going to go be a colonist and i've got a ship you know I'm, I'm hauling cargo and i happen to crash land on another planet i am not bound by the prime Directive. i'm a private citizen
3: whereas <laughs> in star wars everything is that know, was a tangent. What, what the second half of this, the name of the thing is war. Everybody mm-hmm. is fighting each other. Yeah. They're, 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 they're always battles. There's always this species fighting that species. There's the rebels. And then, and it was always just war base.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about Star Wars is that because it's a galaxy, it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, aliens are old news to the point mm-hmm. where, like, it's just something they don't even think about. I, I don't mm-hmm. I get the sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, um, well, it's a thought I had, and this will be another episode maybe down the road, but like, I always thought the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek is that like in Star Trek, starships are like planes in the sense that we have planes, but going on a plane is a big deal, whereas in Star Wars, they're like cars where we could just jump into a car and we park
3: hang mm-hmm. it. it up
2: just... real and it still like kind of works like i I am, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am amazed at the beating that well one that, that the millennium falcon always took and that too and again now that i'm i'm through you know the mandalorian and boba fett that their ships took too oh my gosh
3: oh, yeah it's oh, awesome the razor Crest awesome. <laughs> is torn apart by the jawas yes. they built it they rebuilt yes. it no big deal he, he I'm so glad the razor or... Crest was destroyed i'm
1: like <laughs> i did not like that
3: ship what the razor
1: crest was cool Oh, no, I was just on. like out of all the ships <laughs> I, I know. I get into argue with my friend who I'm like, I'm just so glad <laughs> that thing was destroyed. Just get manned no. on new
2: ship. You I know, like just- it. The way i like you know, similar to maloney fall because it's like it's his home too mm-hmm. right. and, and, and not in the kind of way that you know the enterprises are because i love the enterprise of course but Something it's a right, different yeah, kind of home where this is like a cozy personal home where like one person is taking care of the whole thing you know one person can't maintain the enterprise so it just i, I really love those like homie mm-hmm. ships
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and i like the homie ships too i just for some reason the razor cre- uh, crest did not do it for mm-hmm. me the way like even some of the other ships all I, I, series. Going I out wish. Tangent. This is a big tangent. I'm <laughs> <definitely> <laughs> well, we going go go to continue, a it. A I'm gonna continue
0: it for one second. Sure, go ahead. We, <laughs> I wish we could have seen more of The Enterprise D on the big screen. Yeah. I would have loved another film with The Enterprise D, but alas, I am not in charge of such things, so yeah. I'm learning how to live with it. That's okay. I'll say this. <laughs> I what think it, we should all get, later, we
1: should waiting. all get mugs that say this is a tangent so that when we eventually sell merchandise <laughs> people are like, Hey, that's like what just, they say on the show.
0: That's just, amazing. Just take a little sip when we need to say we're on a tangent. Yeah. We'll um, go a uh,
3: T. We'll make a T shaped tangent. Okay. Besides I love
0: I love getting back to our basic subject mm-hmm. here real quick. Yeah, yeah I, go ahead. I, I love you know, we 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 love our great bird of the galaxy, right? We love what Star Trek was meant to be from day one, what what mm-hmm. the plan kinda was and the idea and the themes and wanted to tackle real issues, um which is fantastic. Um I I think that we have a franchise and stories and characters that really have have dived deep into the pool of the human experience Mm -hmm. This is a lousy metaphor to say pool of the human experience, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, I love that whether it is a human character or an alien character and we're working through that, they're working through whatever their circumstances, their struggle, their hardship, their difference. Um, I love that w- that it's not also, all w- and it got be- it's gotten better and better through the years, of course, because we still had issues in the original track of objectification of women, yeah, you know, with definitely. the uh, cra- outfit, you know. I mean, they, they tried so, to put st- stuff I like that. I mean, it's also head, yeah. it's also just a sign of the time, though, oh, yeah, too. For sure. and, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. There's a sign of a time, and uh, in in Nichelle Nichols autobiography. And I think she's probably spoken about this in interviews too. She talks about at least the uniforms that they wore and the, the short, short, short skirts. And she talks about how it was actually a very empowering thing for them to be able to show off their legs and do that so she, they didn't think of it like we look we look back on that and we're like oh my gosh they had to wear that she looks back at it like nope i'm showing off my legs and this is awesome and empowering and yeah wow. so it really is a different mm-hmm. you know you have mm-hmm. to yeah put yourself in yeah. the time yeah. and it's, and everything. it's yeah. the Kirk yeah. but, but i love that gets right I, uncomfortable. Different, yes yeah. that's a, that's yeah. a different it's thing a but thing. yeah i
0: love yeah. i love how there's episodes we go, man, they really handled that well that character developed that character learned something and there's episodes where there wasn't that much where they struggled and continued mm-hmm. to struggle and it's true to real life like like sometimes we don't all we don't get all the way to whatever our finish line is of growth we need to have and that's part of our journey mm-hmm. is is learning how to adapt, learning how to work through diversity, learning how to Um, live lifestyles where we have inclusive attitudes and in hearts for people around us to to not judge people by the color of their skin or by you know never judge a book by its cover for crying Mm -hmm. out loud you Mm -hmm. know Um, I I think Trek has dealt very well with this um, throughout its history and I and I think we have to keep in mind that even though it has a purpose I think Adina has very wisely said it's still for entertainment. Yeah. It's still just mm-hmm. to have and fun. it's still it's, it's still just to have a TV fun. Show. Yeah. And Star show. Wars the same same way. And I think Star Wars, especially in l- recent years, even in the cartoons, there are a ton of strong uh female characters now. They're that, yeah. that are uh, superb. Um in same way for male characters. And I think we're seeing greater in our culture, a desire to have greater inclusion and diversity in what we're watching and listening to and all of that stuff. So I, I think Trek has contributed to, to our culture and society that way oh, in yeah. a powerful way.
3: No, even in the, in the Star Wars and the Mandalorian, the, the leader of the Mandalorians is a woman. Yeah, you know? that's true. Yeah. And, and, and then and Katie
2: Sackoff th- comes in
3: and then you have, or oh, the you have Roseanne Dawson playing mm-hmm. um, Soka, Sokatan? Soka Tan, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so Soka Ana, like, yeah, Soka Kat or Tano, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah, and and again, uh, if she's a she's the last of the one of the last of the Jedi's, and it's a woman, you know, and a very strong character, and stronger principles. than Luke, so they, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so.
0: And they anyway. don't have to be. They don't have to be the same. That's the great. That's what I love wow. about. That's what I love about the difference between Trek and, oh, and yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. You can I love can them get both. Yes. yes. Thank you for setting me free, Adina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's, I hope that's... we've
1: established that before, though, that we're allowed <laughs> yes. to like. Yeah. Both, we're right? allowed to
2: love as many fandoms as you want. There is yeah. no limit.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. You heard well, it here, folks. I just wish we well, could get a what...
1: technical understanding of the technology so we could compare the two and you could have nerdy discussions wow. about which yeah. one's stronger but that's
2: that's this almost what... like saying like you know like what was it what's the age of, like superman versus um you know like who would win but they're from two different universes so it's yeah just, like, it's hard to, just you sometimes can't... it doesn't make it doesn't you know yeah. you, you can appreciate and love them for just what they are Oh,
1: for sure i just like to get nerdy I'm and honest. be like what would happen yeah. if you were to take a tricorder take it into harry potter can you scan magic or you know just weird <laughs> stuff like that because it's that what we do, weird, go on right? a page, sure. go down yeah. the rabbit hole, it's yeah. amazing.
2: Well, now, here's the thing, given given that Star, now, I don't advocate this, because I think I, I don't necessarily like mixing the franchise, I mean, like, I love the franchises, and so I'm, I'm happy for them to stay separate, so here's the thing, given that Star Trek is a little closer to our real world, you know, kind of an extension of the now. Mm-hmm. Would it be weird or interesting to in some episode them reference having watched Star Wars? I
1: actually did a whole YouTube video about this where I made the argument that Star Wars does exist in Star Trek as a Mm -hmm. TV, like as an entertainment franchise, specifically because they mentioned ET in Future's End, which was a Steven Spielberg movie. And so I figured,
2: you're right. You
1: know what? They They exist, Mm -hmm. they connect. Okay. So I think that'd be amazing. I hope we get to that point at yeah. where of work like, oh, I was mm-hmm. watching Star-, Star Wars.
3: Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Because, I mean, how often did Trip refer to different types of old movies yeah. when there was the one the one episode where the congenitor and, you know, he he brings out and shows the day the earth stood still and he has a, a model of Fra- uh, Frankenstein in his office or in his in his room. And uh, I mean, he, they, they, those, those were they, they. We're taking movies that actually exist, and we're putting them in a, a fictional film to give it uh, reality, to give it, you know, give it some, uh, you know, credence that it actually. Said, so that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I Trip don't know, I feel like it'd be weird. It'd just be so cartoon. weird. It'd be weird, but like why it'd not? Be
2: really weird.
1: But I, Disney I don't know. have to
0: sue sue Paramount for. Oh. Hey, no. you know, would even no, just mentioning... no. wait, that even be possible artistically? Wait,
3: well, well, what about I don't, again, I don't want to get off the of track, but <laughs> hey, we're, right. got... we're, so,
0: we're so on a tangent <laughs> just, right
3: okay. now. I'm sorry. you got, <laughs> Spider, great. You got Spider-Man, you've got Spider-Man from Sony, uh-huh. and you've got the Marvel <laughs> characters from Disney. And what did they do? They had to sign the contract saying, okay, well, Spider-Man can appear in uh in uh, uh what was that? Um uh, uh Captain America Civil War.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so
3: you know they they can do a crossover if they wanted to.
2: I, I don't. I like. I said. I feel like that would. I would. I have think I'd guys, be weirded out.
0: Have you guys <laughs> seen the comic books where it's uh, uh, the Next Generation crew and X Men? Oh yeah,
1: I heard. I haven't. Have you read seen that. those? But that's I like a real thing. I've, I've no, seen them no, in libraries,
0: in bookstores. Yeah. yeah. And there's. A, I don't know if they're still making them or not. But there's a def comic book crossover Star Trek: The Next Generation with the X Men.
2: Huh. OK, I might have to find that. We might have to talk about that one day. Like
0: if you
1: watch like uh, like the Flash, like the DC show, the Flash on the CW, they do reference Marvel stuff as comics and movies. So I get the same mm-hmm. could happen for Star Wars. Interact.
3: So you're saying that Patrick Stewart would have to be in two characters at the same
0: time. Yes. <laughs>
3: John Luke Picard and and Mr. X.
0: Yeah. If my memory serves me. I I well I guess I can't say for sure, but it's probably before Patrick Stewart played uh, Professor X or whatever in the X Men. I, I think probably these comics came out before that. Um, but then I mean at the same time though, that comic book could make X look totally different if they wanted to, you know, to avoid that. But anyways, worth checking out if you never
3: get getting back to what you guys were discussing earlier, and that you know you. Do you have to choose one or the other, Star Wars versus Star Trek? And and you know, I mean there's enough in each one to satisfy a certain group of people, like you know, Star Trek is really for tech people, you know, and, and it inspired people to get into technology. Yep, hello, to yeah, get into yeah. there you go into science and stuff. well so but on.
2: actually they both inspired me because of the robots in Star Wars. I was very, very inspired by the robots in Star Wars.
3: But but here's the other thing: is that Star Wars because of its easy storylines and characters children can get into star wars a lot quicker than they can get into star trek because star trek is more driven by storylines, complex storylines. And as we've been talking about diversity and talking about those subjects, mm-hmm. whereas you can, a kid can watch star wars and just fantasize that they That's are true. a lightsaber carrying Jedi. Yeah. And it's easier for them and that's why like my grandson he absolutely loves star wars and it's he's still too young to get into star trek because it's conflicting yeah and and so but but then as you get older and you become more involved in technology or interest in that then you would probably then want to move into star trek and become a greater fan of that you know
2: that makes a lot of sense
3: yeah, but we can love it both yeah, because it's both. still just science fiction.
2: Yes, and it's okay for someone to like one and not like the other. All these yeah. all these variations are mm-hmm. okay. One of my best mm-hmm.
1: friends, he's a Star Wars guy, and it's like I've tried to get him into Trek. Unfortunately, he did see Nemesis with me, which I regret. Deeply, and it's I feel like I'm not I owe the first my, one you should watch. <laughs> it's
0: all your apology. fault, Chris. It's yeah, it's all your fault. He's never gonna watch track. No, that. I don't think no. he ever has. He probably never will. <laughs> but I love it today. You know what? But we didn't know. We didn't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's anyways, I this this has been a wonderful conversation, sure um, has been. and that we could g- we could go way deeper too. <laughs> maybe we'll have maybe we'll have more episodes too. Um, about maybe specific episodes about of Trek or Star and or Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, about this issue, but I just you know again we, we we wow. have a we have wonderful franchises all over the place. Science fiction itself has dealt with so many different issues for us to really sink our teeth into and to think about, and so it's why we're the big sci-fi podcast. So we can explore all sorts of different. Um, sci-fi creations and to talk through stuff like this
1: yeah exactly but you know thank you everyone for a fantastic discussion it's been a lot of fun a lot of good tangents i love it very excited about the, the next episode but before we go do any of you want to plug anything and where can people find you adina mignona
2: Sure. The the best thing is to just go to Amazon and get my book, Crazy Foolish Robots. That's the thing to do. And also check out my website, adinamignona.com, where I blog about like science and Star Trek and science fiction stuff. And you can join my newsletter there so you can follow on what's going on.
1: Cool. Everybody do that immediately. But <laughs> let's l- listen to the rest of this episode first.
2: Well, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs>
0: And uh, I'm Brian Donahue, and uh, you can find my music at ReverbNation.com slash Brian T. Donahue um, if you care to check that out. And, um, yeah, that's that's the best place. I mean, you could always follow me on Facebook, too, but check out my music there.
3: And this is Steve Merkin. i you know, not where you folks are in your creativity and the <laughs> things that you've got stuff put out there for the, oh, let's look for Steve Merkin on this or that or whatever. I'm just happy to be part of this group. I'm happy to be able to sit down with three very intelligent people and share thoughts with them. And I think if, if you just want to find me, why don't you go to the big sci-fi podcast? I think that's a great place to find me because that's where I'll be with you guys. Week after week after week.
2: <laughs> and can I say this now? Because it's going to yeah. exist soon. So Go it's going to exist a couple weeks before you, you where we post this episode. But check out the Big Sci-Fi Podcast Facebook group where you can interact with us and ask questions and comment on what you thought about this episode and what we forgot to cover <laughs> or anything.
1: And if I have a hot take, too, you can say, hey, Chris, what were you thinking? How could you say that? I'm outraged by that <laughs> statement.
3: We'd love to chat I, with you. I hope they do. I hope people go and get wound up and express themselves on our Facebook page, because that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. It's supposed to give people a chance to to express themselves, yes. hopefully in a creative way. And poli- politely.
0: politely. You know. Yes, of course. Yes, exactly. Yes.
1: We can. Yes. Like that's, that's the thing is I want to. We should clarify is hey you can say you disagree with us but let's all do it Mm -hmm. nicely because after all we're just having Mm -hmm. a fun discussion about you know things that we love Mm -hmm. yep exactly and uh yeah and i'm christian fox and you can find me on twitter at yelling about star trek and you can also find my podcast yelling about star trek or you can find me here on the big sci-fi podcast thank you everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time